What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And, of course, once again, The Booch is riding solo on this mission. As I mentioned before, my NXT correspondent, Mr. John Tumblin, is currently on hiatus from the show as he is in the process of planning his wedding to his beautiful fiance. They plan on getting married in October, so John will be taking a hiatus from the show until the wedding is complete. He should be back sometime in November. However, he has said that he will still make time for the D&D show set to take place on Twitch in October, preferably after the wedding and the honeymoon and all that. And also, he will be here for the Collision in Korea, Dark Side of the Ring review taping that we will be doing at a later date and will be available at a later date from that. So, on that note, we're going to kick things off here with the in-ring segment of NXT. We see Samoa Joe walking to the ring. He is not in a suit. He is in his gear, and he is ready to fucking fight. Joe says he's here to smash Karrion Cross's clock. Regal power walks down to the ring and tells Joe this is not what he had in mind when he brought him back. Joe says last week Cross provoked him. Regal has no control over Cross. Joe is going to put him down. Regal had no idea that Cross made a trip to Raw this week. Regal tells Joe to end this peacefully. Regal adds that Cross is on his way to the arena tonight and will not descend into chaos. Joe says he respects Regal, but he can't promise this ends peacefully. Joe does promise by the end of the night, someone's 
going to sleep. Now, this segment, I'm going to be honest, I fucking hated it. Now, from a promo standpoint and from an emotion standpoint, the promo did well. Samoa Joe's pissed off. He wants retribution. He wants to get his hands on Karrion Cross. But then William Regal comes out saying he wants this to end peacefully and tries to justify why Samoa Joe can't do this by saying he entered the match in a referee capacity. Therefore, he assaulted Joe the referee, not Joe, a member of NXT. NXT management, and that is fucking bullshit. I wish I had the Iron Sheik sound effect that we had back when we were on Blah Talk Radio because that was fucking bullshit. I'm sorry, that's a bunch of bullshit. Now, even if that's true, here are the facts. You're not allowed to put your hands on an official anyway, and I'm pretty sure if a referee was physically stronger than a wrestler, a referee would retaliate. In this case, Samoa Joe was a guest referee. Samoa Joe is a big, swole, jacked-up motherfucker. Therefore, Samoa Joe has the physical capacity to still put his hands on a wrestler. Now, the other referees, you know, they're in decent shape, but they're not badass. And everybody knows in wrestling, a referee is never allowed to be stronger than a wrestler. That's why when the wrestlers hit these refs, they take these insane bumps. And once they're down, they're pretty much fucking unconscious. They're done until eventually somebody revives them. But they're pretty much dead. They're done because they're supposed to look weak to make the wrestler look strong. It doesn't matter which wrestler it is. It doesn't matter if it's a big motherfucker like Karrion Cross or a small guy like Drake Maverick. Any one of them puts their hands on a referee, that referee is still a pussy compared to the wrestler. That is a fact. Obviously, in this case, that's an exception because of Samoa Joe. So that's one factor right there. Here's the other factor. Everything that William Regal said in his promo reminds me of why I'm done with retail and customer service. This is why I could never work in a customer service retail corporate environment. This is why. Because the one thing about customer service and working in retail that I hated the most was dealing with customers. Why? Because people in general suck. They just fucking suck. And the worst part about it is that we live in a fucked up world. And only in a world this fucked up could something like this exist. Where a customer can treat an employee like absolute dog shit and the employee is still supposed to be nice and professional no matter how bad the customer treats them. And I always thought that was a hunk of bullshit that I could never fucking tolerate. I just couldn't. I could not live in a world or work in an environment where someone is allowed to be rude to me and there's nothing I can do about it. Now, it's one thing if the employee is being rude first and the customer responds. That's a totally different story, obviously. But if you're being polite and you're being professional and you're doing your job and somebody decides to fuck with you, you have every right to retaliate to that person. If they are rude to you, I believe you're allowed to be rude back. If they put their hands on you, you're allowed to fuck them up six ways from Sunday. I firmly believe that. Now, fortunately, in all the years that I've worked in customer service and retail, I've never had any physical altercations, although there have been some close calls. But I have had people be rude to me at customer service. And I'll be honest, there was times where I took it and I turned the other cheek. And I fucking hated myself afterwards. Even though everyone around me, from coworkers to bosses to even my own mother, said I did the right thing. I hated myself. I fucking hated myself. It's why I was so miserable and depressed in that environment. Because I felt powerless. I felt like I had no control over anything. It, it, it disgusted me on a massive level. I hated myself. I hated not being able to tell somebody to go fuck themselves when I desperately wanted to tell them to go fuck themselves. And that's basically what William Regal's doing here. Karrion Cross put his hands on Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe did nothing to deserve that last week. He raised his hand after Cross won. He put the hand down. He stared. They stared each other down. He walked away. Joe was going to walk out of the ring. 
He was going to leave Cross alone, and he's going to let him gloat and celebrate, and Cross decided to choke out Samoa Joe. And the rule stated, as Joe mentioned in the promo, that the rule that Regal created was that Joe could not put his hands on any of the superstars or wrestlers unless he was provoked. Karrion Cross provoked Samoa Joe. Joe is within his rights to seek retribution, to get revenge, to basically lock Karrion Cross in a curfew to clutch and put him to sleep. And also as a side note, um, I mentioned before how I said there were times where I turned the other cheek. Here's the thing. There were times in retail where I didn't turn the other cheek. But luckily for me, I had managers at the time who were on my side and actually took care of their employees. Eventually that changed, which is why I later left the world of retail. But did have moments where I stood up for myself and going forward, that's exactly what I'm going to do in any capacity. That's why I'm happy with the jobs that I now have as a, you know, as a social media manager at HVMA. Because I don't have to interact with customers unless they're on social media. So to be honest, they're easy to ignore. But if somebody came into our office and was rude and disrespectful and came at me, obviously I would be able to say something back. Provided that I was not the one who who provoked the fight. And also I'm a comedian. So if I'm doing a comedy show and someone decides to heckle me, I can let the heckler have it. That's part of the reason I love about stand-up comedy is having that freedom. Even though lately I've seen with the cancel culture that freedom being taken away slowly, uh, part of me hopes that eventually we will be able to get that freedom back. And also I take great pride in being uh, Buff Bagwell's manager because Buff is a real motherfucker. So if we're at a show somewhere and I'm being polite and professional, but somebody gets in my face and I tell that guy to go fuck himself, I know Buff's going to have my back. So that's why I love the jobs I have now because not only do they pay well, but also because they give me freedom. And that's ultimately what I want in a job. The freedom to be myself. The freedom to be able to stand up for myself. And to know that if I'm in the right, whoever the boss is that's in charge of me, that person's going to have my back. But enough about me. This segment ain't about me. It's about Samoa Joe and All I can say is I love this promo. I love this passion. And he made me excited to see what happens when Karrion Cross shows up. And on that note, we're going to move on to our first official match of the evening. We have the Diamond Mind, Tyler Rust and Roderick Strong versus Bobby Fish and Kushida. This was a solid tag team match and a great way to open the show. I did not expect this match to open the show, but I was glad that it did because you need something solid to start the ma- to start the show off. And both these tag teams work very well together. Obviously, the Diamond Mine uh, trying to establish themselves as a faction. Uh, Bobby Fish and Kushida, uh, not really a tag team, but definitely forming an alliance here and having decent chemistry. Uh, eventually, uh, Kushida locks Rust in the hoverboard lock. And Rust taps out, giving Bobby Fish and Kushida the win. I'm glad that Tyler Rust was the one who tapped out and not Roger Strong. So at least Roger Strong, no pun intended, looks strong. And it also helps to build the potential feud that looks like that we're going to see between Roger Strong and Kushida that's going to eventually result in a cruiserweight title match. And if that's the case, I hope Roger Strong wins the cruiserweight title. Because I'm sick of Kushida having it, and I'd like to see Roderick Strong get a belt. And as I said before, he's been there, done that with the North American title, and it doesn't look like he's going to be NXT champion anytime soon. And I think the Cruiserweight title needs to start being treated like an actual belt and not just being the spot monkey belt. And I think in NXT, it can get more prominence. So I'd like to see Roderick Strong win that belt, have him elevate that title the same way that Santos Escobar elevated the title and the same way Enzo Amore elevated the title many years ago. And then backstage, Drake Maverick gets into an argument with LA Knight after trying to help Cameron Grimes with Knight's bags. So obviously, um, you know, Drake Maverick's trying to do the right thing, you know, because Cameron Grimes clearly can't carry all those bags, but LA Knight's basically telling him, hey, 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 Stay out of this. This is none of your business. He gets paid to do this. And in a way, LA Knight's making a lot of sense because he's like, hey, hey, I don't pay you to have to, I'm paying you to do this. 
not Drake Maverick. So you do this. And I've seen bosses be like that too, where sometimes somebody has a heavy load that you hand out somebody else and the boss goes, hey, it's not that person's job to do it. It's your job to do it. But I'm having a hard time doing it. Well, fucking figure it out. It's your job. You'd be surprised how many bosses are like that. So anyway, um, after we see this backstage moment, we then cut to another moment where we see uh, Johnny Gargano and Austin Theory. Obviously, Gargano's talking about the loss he suffered at the hands of Karrion Cross last week in the NXT title match. Austin Theory um, decides to uh, make a fight with Kyle O'Reilly, uh, especially since he apparently was talking shit about Kyle O'Reilly last week. I didn't quite catch that. Uh, but he did say that, you know, he wanted to do that. So Kyle O'Reilly challenged him to a match. Austin Theory said, uh, are you challenging me to a fight? And, you know, Kyle O'Reilly goes, wow, you really are thick. Yes, I'm challenging you to a fight. And then, of course, uh, Austin Theory says, you're on. Uh, Kyle O'Reilly says, I'll go put on my dancing shoes and walks away. So obviously this was an awkward promo. Um, I think both of them were trying to be clever and funny, but it just felt really flat to me. Uh, and uh, this match, uh, I'm sure is going to be exciting because both these guys are incredible wrestlers and incredible competitors, but ultimately it just felt weird. It felt flat. This did not, uh, feel like a good segment to me. And on that note, we're going to move on to the next match of the evening. If we even want to call it that, uh, Frankie Monet with Jesse Kamea versus JC Jane. This was basically a squash match. Uh, the only thing interesting was Robert Stone eventually walking down to the ring while putting on his jacket to cheer Monet on. Uh, although Jane did take advantage of a, mo- of a mo- momentary distraction to uh, hit Monet with a boot to the face. But then missed the senton in the corner and then Monet just crushed her with a double knee strike. Uh, once again, Mandy Rose comes to the crowd and lays on the announce desk. In the confusion, Jane takes Monet over with Arana. Running neck, then then hits a running neck breaker. Monet eventually fires up, hits the road to Valhalla, gets the one, two, three, and Frankie Monet wins the match. So now we got Mandy Rose laying on the announce desk. I have no fucking idea why this centerfold bitch is here, but uh, I'm not liking it. Not liking it at all. I don't know what the fuck Mandy Rose serves as a purpose in NXT. What purpose does she serve? Like, I've seen a lot of people get released recently. Why the fuck is she still here? This is goddamn ridiculous, okay? Mandy Rose is not a great wrestler. NXT is known for having great wrestling matches. A great wrestling match is something Mandy Rose has never had in her whole career. She is not over. She has never been over. She has been a boring person to watch. The most interesting thing she has done in her whole career was the relationship she had with Otis. Once that got shot to shit, there was no reason to see Mandy Rose in a ring anymore for any reason. Okay, this is fucking stupid. It serves no purpose and I don't it, there's no logical reason for her to be in NXT other than Raw and SmackDown have nothing for her, so we're going to put her in NXT, which I'm sorry, again, she doesn't belong in NXT. She doesn't belong in wrestling, period. The fact that she was not on the list of people who got released mind boggles the shit out of me. But I got a feeling they're going to try to shoehorn her into the women's division here in NXT. And we're going to find out really quick that she doesn't fit in. Why? Because she don't go here. On that note, because of the backstage area, we're during an interview with Wade Barrett. Bronson Reed says losing the North American Championship has affected him. Obviously, because that was, you know, his first major title. And uh, he won it um, on his 14-year anniversary of breaking into the business. Reed is going to press on and continue to fight, he says. Uh, Barrett asks Reed about his conflict with Adam Cole. Uh, Reed says Cole is looked at as the best, and he wants to beat the best. And I believe they said that next week on NXT, we'll see Bronson Reed versus Adam Cole. And uh, that's going to be a great match. And it's also going to be a great way for Bronson Reed to reestablish himself as a wrestler to take seriously. If he can beat Adam Cole, that is going to be a major notch on his belt. No pun intended. Big deal. That's a big fucking deal. If he can beat Adam Cole, that'll put him one step closer to eventually becoming NXT champion. And with the run that Karrion Cross is having right now in NXT, it, he's going to be a hard person to beat. But I think Bronson Reed, from a size standpoint 
is someone who can take the NXT title from him. Because obviously, uh, Samoa Joe's not an active competitor anymore, technically, so I don't think he could go for the NXT championship. But if he can, then maybe Samoa Joe should have a third run with the NXT title. And then maybe drop it to somebody else or whatever. Or maybe he relinquishes it and we have a tournament to crown a new one or whatever the fuck. But anyway, uh, Bronson Reed and Adam Cole looks to be a great match. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We have Kyle O'Reilly versus Austin Theory. This was a great technical match. Because both of these men are great technicians in the ring. Now, there wasn't a lot of spot monkey shit in this one. Uh, even though both of them are known for being a little spot monkey-ish, they were able to control it, which was great. Uh, the closest thing we saw was a rolling drop kick, but O'Reilly countered and trapped Theory in a flying heel hook, which I thought was fucking brilliant, although Theory got to the ropes. Um, these guys were doing amazing back-and-forth action. A lot of false finishes were in this match, and it looked like at times Austin Theory was going to win, and it looked like at times Kyle O'Reilly was going to win. And the one thing I'm noticing lately in a lot of these singles matches that Kyle O'Reilly is having is O'Reilly is the type of wrestler that can make anybody in the ring look good. He's one of those guys that can have a solid match with anybody. Since becoming a singles competitor, I have not seen Kyle O'Reilly have a bad match. And to wrestle somebody like Austin Theory, who's not quite as experienced as Kyle, and the fact that they still had a kick-ass match, proves that O'Reilly is a factor in those matches looking good. Because granted, he was facing Adam Cole and he was facing Finn Balor. Both are incredibly talented in-ring wrestlers, so you could say that they made the match look good. There's an argument, a debate for that. But in this case, Kyle definitely made the match look good. And in the end, uh, he hits uh, the King Kong knee to Theory's knee, Locks in a knee bar. Theory taps out. Kyle O'Reilly gets the win. So with that tap out, it was a solid, solid victory. Looked fantastic. Looked beautiful. Kyle O'Reilly is definitely establishing himself as a legit singles competitor. And even though it looks like him and Adam Cole are slightly going their separate ways, they are going to have to come back eventually because there needs to be a rubber match between them. And apparently we find out that on Sunday, August 22nd, is going to be NXT TakeOver 36. And obviously, as we mentioned before, SummerSlam is going to be on Saturday, August 21st. So with SummerSlam on Saturday, they're going to put TakeOver on Sunday. Which I'm kind of happy about because we're going to see another TakeOver. But I'm also, at the same time, not happy because on Sunday... Uh, I have to go with Buff to a wrestling show in Alabama. We got a gig in Alabama that we got to go to. So it looks like I'm going to miss NXT TakeOver. And with John on hiatus, that means that we might have to get Elvis Delinsky to step in here and re and do the recap of TakeOver. Since Elvis is the only other person out of the two of us that likes NXT and follows it. Because Desmond, who's been pretty much fucking MIA from the show, uh, he doesn't follow NXT at all. So he would be no help in that. Uh, Zach, he likes NXT, but I don't know what the fuck his schedule is, so I doubt he could watch TakeOver, because he'll probably be at Jim and Nick's, so I would have to put that on Elvis, see if he's able to do it, it'll be intriguing, or, or maybe if John has an opening in his schedule, he might come back for one night, and, uh, do the recap of NXT, and maybe team up with somebody, and then, after that, go back to planning the wedding, I don't know what the fuck's gonna happen, all I know is, uh, if I do, if I have to do the takeover recap, that recap is going to be late because I got to go to Alabama. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area where we see uh, the way going through frustrations with, uh, you know, the Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell losing the women's tag team titles. Um, Johnny Gargano failing to beat Karrion Cross. Austin Theory just lost to Kyle O'Reilly, and out of nowhere, Indy says, look, if he wants to kiss, De kiss Dexter Loomis, let him kiss Dexter Loomis. And they all go, what? And at that moment, we start to realize that Indy Hartwell is getting frustrated with the fact that they keep stopping her from kissing Dexter Loomis. And with this TakeOver 36 coming up on August 22nd, I'm going to say this one more time, and I'm sure a lot of you guys who listen to the show regularly are, are annoyed at me saying this, but I'm going to say it one more time. The kiss needs to happen, and it needs 
to happen at TakeOver 36. Now, I can't remember if in the commercial they specify where TakeOver 36 is going to be, but I'm going to say this. With all due respect to the Capitol Wrestling Center, TakeOver 36 needs to be in an arena in front of a packed house. Whether you do it in Vegas or you do it somewhere else, there need this needs to be in an arena. We need a big capacity crowd. And as popular as NXT is, there's no way you can tell me you can't make this happen. If, if Vince has to spend a little bit more money, rent out that Vegas arena for one more night and fucking do it. Hell, grab the MGM Grand if you can. I mean, hell, if AEW can sell out the MGM Grand, NXT TakeOver should be able to sell out the MGM Grand. No fucking problem if that's the case. I, There's no way. You can't tell me they can't do it. NXT is amazingly popular. And here's the thing. Most wrestling fans who love AEW also love NXT. Now, they might have a personal favorite, but the fan base, for the most part, is kind of the same. That's why I've always been fine with doing joint recaps with John Tumble and Elvis Delinsky, because the fan bases are the same. It's just that some of them are more passionate towards NXT than AEW, because John loves NXT but doesn't like AEW. And Elvis, he likes NXT, but he loves AEW more. So it's possible. So I want to see TakeOver in an arena, and I want to see that kiss happen. Even if it means Indy Hartwell tells the way to go fuck themselves. As well she should, because there's no reason for her to be there anymore. And on that note, we see a Legato Del Fantasma about to have a mariachi band perform, but Escobar says he's not going to bother, which is good because there's no reason for them to have any fucking celebrations. Escobar says he wants a North American championship. Hit Row interrupts. Swerve and company make fun of Escobar. A brawl breaks out. Swerve hits wild with a guitar. Now, let me just say that I loved the promo from Hit Row. I love the rapping. I love the rhymes. I love the bars. They really put everything into this gimmick and make it work. It works every time. All of them know how to spit bars. All of them are talented. They all make fun of Escobar, and it works. Escobar responds... His response was great. Tell him about their nursery rhymes and we're going to beat you, cabron, and all that stuff. And also reminding us of the shit that uh, Swerve went through with Escobar the last time they feuded when they were fighting over the Cruiserweight Championship. Now they're fighting over the North American Championship and I love it. So the brawl breaks out. Everything looks great. I look forward to seeing where this rivalry goes. And I'm going to say this one more time. The girl needs to start fighting. Put B-flat in the fucking ring so we can see if she can work. Unfortunately, Legato Del Fantasma doesn't have a female in their group. So obviously the girl couldn't do much except rip out the guitar out of Wild's hand, hand it to um, Swerve later, and he bashes Wild with the guitar. Vintage uh, Jeff Jarrett, Honky Tonk Man, New Jack, whoever you... Uh, considered to be your favorite guitar-swinging wrestler. Uh, and on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening in the NXT Breakout Tournament, Andre Chase versus Odyssey Jones. This was a fairly decent match. Odyssey Jones definitely showcased his skills in this one. Uh, I definitely see him uh, being a future breakout star. Andre Chase... And I wasn't really impressed with him. He's He's got more of a spot monkey-like attitude to him. So uh, I don't hate him, but I wasn't impressed by Andre Chase. But I definitely like Odyssey Jones. He is somebody that I think has a future in NXT. Um, whether or not he'll be the NXT champion, I don't know. But I do know that he definitely has a spot on the card somewhere. He is somebody that... Uh, NXT should take a lot of time to build up. I could see him as a mid-card guy at best. Uh, hopefully main event, I can't tell, but definitely ready for the mid-card, at least. Definitely shouldn't be a jobber. And on that note, we cut to the backstage area with MSK, and they're about to tell us what MSK stands for, but Imperium cuts into the feed and talks about how terrible MSK is. When the feed goes back to normal, Lee is done explaining what MSK means. Okay, well, all I gotta say is... 
I'm officially a fan of Imperium because I don't know what MSK stands for, nor do I give a fuck because, as I mentioned before, I hate this fucking tag team. And I hope Imperium takes the belts off these motherfuckers. I'm waiting for a tag team to beat MSK. And at this point, I don't give a fuck who it is. I don't care if it's Imperium. I don't care if it's Brizongo. I don't ca- I don't care if they bring back Everize, re-sign them, and let them take the goddamn belts. At this point, I'll take that. I will take anything at this point over MSK. Because I am anti-MSK and their spot monkey bullshit. And their inability to tell a story in the ring or have any psychology. I'm done with MSK. Please, Imperium, end this madness. And on that note, we cut to the next match of the evening, if we even want to call it that. L.A. Knight with Cameron Grimes versus Drake Maverick. This was basically a clusterfuck. Um, Mostly because I don't think L.A. Knight is used to working with somebody at Drake Maverick's size. Now, I don't know if they ever wrestled each other in TNA back when it was Eli, Drake, and Rockstar Spud, but they these two, I think, did not work well together. Everything looked awkward. I think, like, uh, L.A. Knight looked stupid trying to do a drop-down. Um, just the, 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 the punches, the kicks, the chemistry. Like, it looked—it it, it just didn't feel right. I don't think these two should be working a match together. They just, they don't click. There's no, it just, something was off. Now, that's not a knock on either guy. Because as you know, I am a massive fan of LA Knight. And I think Drake Maverick is very, very talented. I'm a big fan of both these guys. I'm just saying their chemistry in the ring is shit. They don't have good chemistry. And sometimes that's the case. There are times where certain wrestlers just don't, have good chemistry and they shouldn't be paired together in a ring you know and it, it, it sometimes wrestlers are like that it's not a bad thing necessarily it's just that these two should not be working a match and then of course there was an accidental distraction by Grimes Maverick rolls up night and gets the pin now this worked because uh, the distraction was that Grimes wasn't holding the million dollar title up high enough, and L.A. Knight was complaining about the fact, I want you to hold this belt up, I want everyone to see it, so L.A. Knight basically looks like a conceited asshole, then Drake Maverick shoves L.A. Knight into the belt, so boom, he hits the belt, which is solid gold, so that's naturally going to make anybody dazed, so Drake Maverick can roll him up, one, two, three. That was a genius way for Drake Maverick to get a victory without making L.A. Knight look weak. It definitely makes him look stupid, but it doesn't make him look weak. And then after the match, Knight holds Maverick after he beats him down a little bit and tells Grimes to punch him. Grimes refuses. Knight reminds Grimes of their deal. Grimes eventually clocks Maverick, and Grimes is disgusted with himself. I loved this part of the match, the post-match beatdown. This was a great fucking story because that's the disadvantage that Grimes has to go through. The fact that L.A. Knight owns him. He is the butler. He must do what his boss tells him to do. Just like when Triple H was telling Big Show to knock out Dusty Rhodes one time. Big Show didn't want to do it, but Triple H said, I'm the boss. Unless you want to lose your job and not support your family, you got to do it. Big Show eventually punched him and hated himself afterwards. Or when Shawn Michaels had to super kick a bunch of people because JBL forced him to. Because Shawn was in debt and JBL was pulling him out of debt and all that shit. So... It's a great fucking story to tell. And it'll eventually implode whatever this storyline is. Grimes is eventually going to get sick of it and he'll either quit NXT or demand a match with LA Knight to get out of being his butler. This is the beginning of that story unfolding and it's fucking great. Next, we cut to the backstage area where Joe pulls a bald guy out of a car because he thinks he's carrying Cross. The guy driving tells Joe Cross is in the building and he told him to pull up here. So obviously, uh, this could affect Samoa Joe because he's grabbing somebody that he's not that didn't provoke him. So that could have caused some serious trouble for Samoa Joe, and I was worried that it would. Then on that note, we cut to the main event of the evening for the NXT Women's Championship. Raquel Gonzalez with Dakota Kai defends the title against Zaya Lee once again. NXT has a solid fucking main event this was amazing 
two women out to fucking kill each other, and it showed throughout the match. These two laid it all on the line. In my opinion, this match showed that women can be just as tough as men in the ring as far as putting a match together and telling a story. Now, until NXT gets to the point where they allow the women and the men to get physical in the ring with each other, and by physical, I mean wrestling, not sexual, until they allow that to happen, we'll never know if the women are just as strong as the men. But it shows that the women can put on just as great matches as the men and be on that level. Because these ladies showed up and showed out big time. And then uh, Gonzalez hit that uh, spinning senton off the second rope where Lee kicked out. But Lee seems to be completely out of it after the kick out. So the referee holds Gonzalez back. The medical staff checks on her. Gonzalez screams for her to get up. She eventually gets up, and then Gonzalez hits her powerbomb and gets the one, two, three, the winner and still NXT Women's Champion Raquel Gonzalez. That's what made this match so great. The fact that Gonzalez dominated Xia Lee. Now, Xia Lee did eventually, in the match, get her moments where she slammed Gonzalez's leg into the ring post multiple times, uh, sent her into the ring steps, and was assaulting her. So at one point, Xia Li was dominating this match. But once Gonzalez fired up, it was done. She was done. And, Gonz and Raquel Gonzalez got a decisive fucking victory, which of course begs the question, who is next for Raquel to face? Like I mentioned before, there's going to be an NXT TakeOver 36. Raquel is going to need an opponent. So unless Dakota Kai is going to turn on Raquel, I don't know who else can face her at this point. She's already beaten Ember Moon. She got a decisive victory over Xia Lee. She's already beaten Mercedes Martinez. So unless she's going to face the, the crazy bitch that's sitting on the throne, I don't know who else Raquel can face. She's pretty much at the end of the line. But then after this, Joe Power walks to the ring, yells for Cross to come out. Because he's ready to end this. Cross appears on the Tron and tells Joe he is not in control. I do what I want, when I want, and I go wherever I want. And then the camera pans down and Cross shows that he's laid out William Regal. William Regal is unconscious on the ground. Cross gets in his car and drives off. Joe run, runs to the parking lot to give chase, but then gets frustrated. By the time he gets to the parking lot, Karrion Cross is already pulled out and William Regal's unconscious. Now, at this point, with William Regal clearly being knocked out by Karrion Cross, if Samoa Joe shows up on NXT next week looking for Karrion Cross, and William Regal does anything to stop Joe from beating up Karrion Cross, William Regal is officially the biggest pussy in NXT. He is the weakest motherfucker on the face of the earth if he does not allow Samoa Joe at this point to get retribution. I have a strong feeling that we're going to see Karrion Cross versus Samoa Joe at TakeOver 36. Now, whether or not the title's on the line, I don't know. I got if all I know is this, if the title is on the line, I strongly believe Samoa Joe is winning. I strongly believe that. Also, as far as Karrion Cross going wherever he wants and doing whatever he wants, I saved this part for last. I want to get this off my chest. A lot, of, a lot of wrestling fans have been talking about this on the internet. And usually when wrestling fans bitch on the internet, I tend to disagree with whatever they're saying because wrestling fans tend to bitch about a lot of stupid shit. I'm sorry, but they do. In this case, I am in total agreement with the IWC. The fact that Karrion Cross showed up on Monday Night Raw and in 1 minute and 40 seconds lost to Jeff Hardy was shitty fucking booking. And it made Karrion Cross look so fucking weak. And I want to know who the fuck thought that was a brilliant fucking idea. This is exactly why... NXT stars are afraid to go to the main roster. This is why. You want to know why a lot of guys stay on NXT? You want to know why a lot of them think going to Raw or SmackDown, especially Raw, is a curse? 
Because every time, okay, I shouldn't say every time, but most of the time, when an NXT star gets called to the main roster, they end up getting fucked. In some capacity, they get fucked. And I have no idea why. Why would you take a potential star, someone who got over in NXT, and bring them to Monday Night Raw or Friday Night SmackDown and just completely fuck them over? Now, I can understand if they came to the main roster and the main roster crowd wasn't feeling them. Then I could see fucking that person over in regards of booking. But when you got somebody that the crowd loves, that is insanely fucking over, and someone that if you gave them a dominant run and eventually put a title on them, whether it's a world title, a mid-card title, or whatever, and will draw money for you, why would you fuck with that? Karrion Cross has been a dominant motherfucker on NXT. The only reason he is a two-time NXT champion is because after he beat Keith Lee to win the title, he suffered a separated shoulder during the match. He finished the match, he won the title, but he had to go get surgery. So he surrendered the belt, got the surgery. Got the surgery, came back, fought Finn Balor, kicked his ass, and won the title. That's the reason he's a two-time champion. Karrion Cross went through a fatal five-way at the last takeover and fucking won. He dominated. He has beaten practically every single cornerstone of NXT. Why would you have him job to fucking Jeff Hardy? Especially when Jeff Hardy, to my knowledge, hasn't even been on TV. I have no, I can't remember the last time Jeff Hardy was on WWE television during the pandemic. If you could, if someone can go back to 2020. And I'm talking about from the time the pandemic started in March of 2020, from when the lockdown happened all the way up till this past Monday night on Raw. Find me one episode of Raw or a pay-per-view where Jeff Hardy was present. I guarantee you're not going to find it. And you finally bring back the charismatic spot monkey, the guy who 99% of his moveset is him jumping off his shit, and you have him beat Karrion Cross in a minute and 40 seconds. Who the fuck thought this was a good idea? What the fuck goes on in these creative meetings? And here's my question. When is Triple H going to grow a set of balls and stop his father-in-law and these dumbass comedy writers from fucking with his stars? Why is Triple H even bothering to build for the future when your future keeps getting crushed? At some point, Triple H needs to grow a set. He needs to look his father-in-law in the eye. He needs to look his wife in the eye. He needs to pull both of them to the side and go, Stop fucking with my stars. Stop calling up my top guys and fucking them over. Stop it. You are killing the fucking business. And I'm not trying to hate on Triple H. Even though I'll admit, I haven't always been the biggest Triple H fan. But I loved what he's done with NXT. But Triple H needs to step up. He needs to. He needs to voice his opinion. I believe that Triple H is deep enough in the McMahon family where he can be able to look Vince in the eye and tell him he's doing something stupid. He's been married to Stephanie long enough. He's been in the family long enough to where he can speak his mind. I know when you're the son-in-law in a family, there's some dues you have to pay before you're eventually allowed to look at your father-in-law like an equal playing field. Because when you're first dating a girl, usually when you see the girlfriend's parents, you're doing the yes sir and the no sir and the yes ma'am and the no ma'am. And you're being polite and you're kind of being a little bit submissive. Not too submissive, but submissive enough to know that they are the parents. They are in charge because you're trying to win them over and get their respect. But once you marry into the family... Once you say I do and the girl says I do and the dad walks down the aisle and gives her away and that's it. Once you get to that point, you should be allowed to speak your mind to your father-in-law. You should be allowed to talk to him man to man, especially if that man is in your house. 
at some point, there has to come a time where you have to man up and you have to nut up. And if you can't do it, you don't deserve to have the job. If Triple H is not man enough to tell his father-in-law and his wife to straighten up, you're fucking up. He has no business running NXT. None. You might as well hand it off to somebody else and stay on the main roster where you belong. You have no business being in charge of NXT if you're just going to let your father-in-law and your wife and these comedy writers bulldoze all over everybody. That was a stupid move. Especially to Jeff Hardy, someone who has no business having a singles push of any kind. It's fucking ridiculous. That's all I got to say about that. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of NXT. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast on Anchor. We are on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, and Google Podcast. Pick your favorite hosting site. Follow us there. Or if you're a true fan of the show, follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, make sure you guys like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash the Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. I recently posted an episode of the male soap opera moment up there where um, Wens and I gave our predictions for Money in the Bank. Obviously, Money in the Bank has already passed. As you know from the episode I put out on Monday, uh, it's all about the Benjamins in the Bank. You can check out my thoughts on the Money in the Bank. But if you want to see our predictions and find out whether or not uh, we had a good idea of what was going to happen, you can find out if we were smart or if we were incredibly dumb. Uh, you can check that out on uh, the Facebook page. Also, make sure you're following us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos on those respective social media pages. Also, make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel. As I mentioned before, we have episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring. We have our D&D one-shot, our wrestling watch parties, funny skits, a lot of great things. You can check them out on our YouTube channel. Check them out there. Also, make sure you guys hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified so you can find out when we'll be posting new YouTube content. We're going to have new episodes of the Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the Ring coming soon, as I mentioned before. Uh, John and myself, along with Gator, will be doing The Collision in Korea. We also have, with Elvis and Desmond, we'll be doing the uh, Brian Pillman videos, as well as The Ultimate Warrior and The Dynamite Kid. And, of course, Desmond and Zach and I teamed up for the... Um, in the shadow of Grizzly Smith and Zach and Gator and Zach and I teamed up for the ultra violence of Nick Gage. So all those videos coming soon to the Boochcast YouTube channel. Make sure you guys check it out. Subscribe. Support us on YouTube. Also, make sure you are following us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast. That's where we do our live wrestling watch parties and our live D&D shows as well as other great content that will be coming soon. But Twitch is where you can live chat with us during the shows because uh, afterwards they eventually get archived onto the YouTube channel. So you can comment on the YouTube videos, but we won't be able to uh, respond to you in real time. We'll have to reply to them at a later date, obviously. If you, you, know, if you post on YouTube, we'll reply to the comment but if you want to talk to us live twitch is where you go to make that happen and of course our next watch party will be saturday august the 21st for wwe SummerSlam. that's where you'll be able to live chat with us during this big momentous pay-per-view which already has a stacked card coming up with john cena versus roman reigns for the universal championship Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg for the WWE title. And obviously, Edge is going to face Seth Rollins. We're, you know, that was a rumor going around that's definitely going to be confirmed on SmackDown. I think we're guaranteed on that. So you can check us out there. And of course, our live DD show set to take place in October. We'll have that date for you guys soon. And of course, we have a big surprise for that DD show. And when I'm finally able to reveal it, it will blow your fucking minds. And finally, you guys can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the show. Support this podcast with a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three different levels you can donate at. We will have prizes for those different sections where they'll be coming out soon. Um, so if you subscribe now, 
you'll get the prize later when we're at, once we announce what the prizes are. So you don't have to wait for the prizes if you don't want to. If you'd rather wait for the prizes, I understand completely. The three different levels we have are, one, you can contribute to the show for just 99 cents per month. That's it, just 99 cents. Uh, that's barely a dollar. You can help support the show. Our second tier is $4.99 per month. That's the other option. Basically the same price you would give for a Peacock subscription. You can support the Boochcast, and we got better stuff going on in the Peacock, so it's better to support us. And the final level is you can support the show for a mere $9.99. That's right. For the same amount of money you would give to a WWE Network subscription back in the day, you can now take that $9.99 since we don't get the network anymore in the United States, and you can take that $9.99 and give it to us and help support the show. And plus... We got better content than the network anyway, so you might as well just support this show. And the donations you guys make all go into benefiting the show. It allows us to upgrade our equipment. It allows us to bring in bigger name guests. It allows me to pay the bills and also take care of the guys who work hard behind the scenes on the Boochcast. So if you have a favorite co-host like John Tumblin or Desmond Dagenhart or Elvis Delinsky, and you feel like these guys should be paid for the work that they do on the show, anchor.fm slash the boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. You can pay with a credit card or GPay. The choice is yours. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. I'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again. <laughs>